Welcome to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. This is John Hennigan, and we also have, of course, we have our uh, sometimes host, sometimes co-host. Actually, he's going to be our host next week because uh, um, I have a, a little trip i got to take care of. But uh, we appreciate you tuning in, and hopefully you're going to enjoy the show today. We're going to start off with uh, uh, our good friend Gracie at Griselda Smokehouse in Cabo San Lucas. And we have a fishing guide. Um, and he said, oh, that's uh, Andrew's on this uh, Kenai Peninsula, right? No, wait a minute. Yeah. What's the Seward? Oh, yeah, Kenai Peninsula, which is in, in, in Seward. This is a, man, that's, a, that's halibut heaven. Yeah. And then we have Danny Kadoda, and uh, we'll let you explain what that's all about. Okay. But we would like to say that we're, you know, we're, we're starting to do more trips, and they're booking up. We've got one coming up in September that we would really appreciate you get in touch with us on. Uh, it's, it's just an incredible place, the Palmas de Cortez in Los Barriles, which is best uh, known as the East Cape of uh, Baja, and that's in the end of September. I'll try and get the dates for you, but uh, please um, see what you can do to uh, um, um, make some room for it. It's 850 bucks plus airfare, plus some incidentals, but we'd love to have you. We'd like to get a whole bunch of people going down because it's a beautiful place, beautiful beach, beautiful resort. Uh, five, and a lot five, of nice people. Five, five miles of beautiful sandy beaches. Yeah. And the Palmas is just right on the... Uh, um, <laughs> it's right on the beach. Sea of Cortez. Anyway, yeah. And the Sea of Cortez, yeah. You can you know, you go down and have breakfast and look out at the boats that are loading up or the boats that are out there fishing. And frequently the fish are like within a few hundred yards of shore. Or they might be, you know, five, five ten miles. But uh, it's an incre- probably one of the best fisheries in the, in the world. But uh, anyway, get ready for that. And that is in the end of September. And go to realfunadventures.com, and we'll take care of you there. Go to the website or get in touch with me. But anyway, Frank, let's uh, get rolling. We're going to have to take a quick break, and we are going to come back and uh, enjoy the show. Years ago, a sailor set out to design a boat shoe that was comfortable and stable, non-skid, and wouldn't mark the decks. Today, these incredibly comfortable shoes are worn by anglers, boaters, professional guides, and charter captains. Go to softscience.com to see more. Soft Science shoes and boots are lightweight and shock absorbent with just the right level of support. Several styles come in all sizes. Enjoy the Soft Science shoe in the water and out. Check them out at softscience.com. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. 
Always buy quality, and you will not be disappointed. AO Coolers, the lightweight, soft-sided cooler, will not disappoint you. Easy to carry, less room on the deck, and more efficient. AO Coolers fit the product inside for more performance. Once you try one, you'll want more. You will be proud to own one. AO Coolers outperform bulky, hard shell, and lesser soft-sided coolers. For types and how to find yours, go to aocoolers.com. Available at West Marine. The road stretches for miles in front of you. And with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway. So your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. Welcome back. We have got a great show today. We're having a little technical difficult, but so we will be okay. Hey, Frank, uh, this is John. Here in a few we're, seconds, Frank, we yeah, have this some is great John. guests. We're, uh, we're, we're getting in touch with Gracie right now, so why don't you go ahead and uh, take care of me for about a minute, and we'll be right back with her. No problem. Uh, today, we have Gracie from Cabo San Lucas. We're having a little difficult connecting down there in Mexico, but we are going to have a great show today. We have some great guests. Danny Cadoto will be on our first hour. Everybody likes Danny. He just got back from Africa, and he caught three fish over 170 pounds to 250 pounds. So I think when you get to hear him talk, you're going to love it. And I have been doing a lot of work locally. The fishing's been great all along the coast of California, down into the tip of Baja. So we've uh, been hitting a lot of little white sea bass and corbina and yellowfin croaker right off the beach from Belmont Shores all the way down to Mexico. And I have uh, a new helper at my shop, so 
I can uh, be able not to have to run out in the front for a while anymore, so that's really good. And what else? John is sneaking away for a week on a great trip. And he doesn't like to talk about it, but he's going to Alaska and having some fun, and I don't blame him for that. And I want to talk a little bit about, more about our trip in September. It is going to be a fun trip. You Either way of fishing, going to be a ball, and uh, we're uh, going down for four, four, good. All right, Tracy. All right, let's, let's, let's try that again. Uh, the, Gracie, stay there. Gracie's, in, Gracie's, down, Gracie's down in Cabo San Lucas. We're going to talk to her for a few minutes about Cabo and about Griselda's Smokehouse. So, anyway, hopefully everybody can hear us. Yes. Yes, okay. I can hear you. All righty. Um, okay. How is first everybody of, today? First, fantastic. First of all, let, all right, well, Grace is, Great, 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 Gracie. I don't think I don't think it's it's working, John. No, no, Hello, no. can anybody no. hear me? Hello. Yes, yes, Gracie, we got you. Fine. We got you. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We got you. Uh, there's a lot of people around you talking, Gracie. So, but we'll see if we can make it work. But uh, we, Gracie is the uh, proprietor of Griselda's Smokehouse. Her husband Dale runs the. Uh, um, uh, the fishing charter business, which is uh, uh, Dream uh, Dream Maker, right, Dream Gracie? Maker, yeah. Right. Dream okay. Maker Charters. And I have to say, I've got a condo in Cabo San Lucas, and in the next two weeks, uh, we've we've booked three different trips uh, for Gracie, and the reason is, uh, I, I highly recommend it. Gracie, tell those people around you to shut up. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Usually, uh, your your clients. You know, they they stay your condo, they set up the fishing, it's, everything's just like a one one right. stop place that well, we take care that, of their fish. That is the why fishing is very good. That on is the, on the inshore fishing. So. Okay, okay. Well, let's uh, first of all, let me finish. Is that uh, what's so great about yeah. is if you stay in the condo, you just walk down, get on the boat. You come back, they take the boat mm-hmm. off for you. Uh, uh, Gracie processes it, freezes it, and it's ready to go. It's just such an easy trip, and the prizes are unbelievable. And, and if, you, uh, if you mention my name, we might even give you a little bit of a discount. Who knows? But, there you go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, Gracie, give us an idea what the fishing is. Is it starting to warm up a little bit? It's uh, the the fishing. The water is a little bit cold, but it's been good for the yellowtail bite. It's been good. Oh, and a few snappers. Few snappers. Yesterday was very good. Uh, some nice thirty-pound groupers were coming in. So the tuna and the offshore kind of slow down a little bit. Yeah. Well, we got to wait for the uh, water. Got to wait for the water to warm up. Yeah. But that'll warm down. But that'll be in the next yeah. month or so. Oh yes, yes. But for right now, we're uh, we're just uh, getting some tierras, snappers, yellowtail, 
And uh, there's plenty of roosters up there for fun, you know, catch and release for fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're getting some um, island also for catch and release and some out there. But uh, the yellow, the yellow fish tuna, it's just, uh, they don't like the cold water too much. So, yes. Uh, well, yeah, we're... Those that are looking for them, they find a big school of uh, smaller tuna, like a football size. But uh, no, you know, the, uh, the bigger ones are still cool. Right. Well, it's still a little bit <laughs> early, but if you want to go down there in the next, next month, six weeks or two months, yeah. you're going to get right in the middle of the season with the, uh, of course, the uh, marlin are always there, yes? Yeah, marlin always here. There's been uh, a lot of reports on the kitchen release of the marlin. Smaller marlins, not like the ones in October when they are about a couple hundred pounds and more. The bit, the right blues, now they're maybe yeah. about 90, 80 pound marlins. Oh, fun to catch and release. Yeah. Oh, yes, they are fun. And you know Plenty what? There's not that many sailfish down there, but I've caught sailfish down there. Is there any, been of the, any of those around? No, no sailfish for now. September. September is a good time for the sailfish. Uh, August, September, but right now, not, not so good. Well, They're not here. They really like the warm water. Yeah. That's selfish. Right. Well, anytime. Like Costa Rica warm water, yeah. Anytime is a good time. What's the temperature down there right now? It's hot. I'm out in the boat right now, as you can probably hear the noise. Uh, it's uh, maybe about 90, 95 minutes. It's hot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but a little breeze, though. We have a little breeze, so we're not suffering too much. No. It's, it's good. It's it good. is good. Well, yeah. you know what? When it, when, when, it, when it is that hot out, the best thing to do is get on a boat. Because when you're That's out right. when, when you're out on the boat and you know if you happen yeah. to have a proclivity for cervezas, um, you know you yeah. go out relax and uh, right. and stay cool. And when the boat's moving, yeah, we it's, actually yeah. yeah we actually went out yesterday afternoon just for a little you know just boat ride in a you know see if we can catch a couple sierras. And the breeze was so nice to be out in the water. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. This is it. I want to come out and sleep on here. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is. Yeah. It hey, is cool. John. Yes, sir. I want to say one thing. It's so great to go to her because you walk out of your condo, walk a block, you're on the water, walk another block and a half, and you're at her place. Yeah. You can go right in, get your boat, walk right out, get on the water, go fishing, come back in. They will nice. clean one of the fish to take to one of the restaurants to cook. You are so great, girl. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're here to help. So, yeah, come on down. It's, uh, well, you're, it, so, you're so much help to people when they come in. I notice things, and you are one. You and your husband both are so nice to everybody. I can't believe sometimes how nice you can be, even well, with trouble. Uh, Frank, let me make a quick comment. There's, there's a lot of great fishing places in the world, but Baja... Uh, because of their infrastructure and the amount of boats that they have and the fact that they can fish every day, their prices are half or a third of what you would pay in, you know, in California or Florida or Costa Rica. Um, I mean, uh, you know, my favorite boat is the Super Ponga, the, the salsa. I use that every time. And for, you know, around 200 bucks, you spend a day in the water. Yeah, it's really great. I enjoyed it every minute of it. And their their skippers are unbelievable. Yes, they are. Okay, well, anyway, we're going to have to cut that one. We did finally get you, Gracie, but we'll be looking forward oh, to seeing you. you, and I know you'll take good care of my people. So, uh, yes, thank and, you so and, much. And yes, that's we'll gra- that. it's, it's Griselda's Smokehouse, uh, dot com or... Um, 
the uh, the charter Dream maker charters. Dream maker charters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just go, go, to, go to the website and get a boat. All right. Thank you, Gracie. Appreciate it. Talk soon. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. Vagabundos Del Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos Del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. Mystery Tackle Box is the most fun and affordable way to discover new lures every month. Select your target species and select your subscription length. Get your box delivered. Catch more fish. It's that easy. Offering fresh and salt water, we've partnered with Fish Talk to get you a great deal. Use the promo code Fish Talk for $10 off your first subscription. Mystery Tackle Box is the original monthly lure subscription service. In fact, we've been told that it feels like Christmas once a month and you can get started for as little as 15 bucks a month. Go to mysterytacklebox.com today. That's mysterytacklebox.com and start getting your packages every month. This is John and I believe in Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com, mention Fish Talk, get a special deal and get the packages coming every month. You will be looking forward to it. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and of course we have uh, Frank Selby, who's our uh, co-host. Next week it looks like it'll be our our host, but right now we have on the line, thanks to uh, Frank, is Andrew uh, Scrivo. Is that right? That's right. And 
Andrew uh, resides, I guess, I don't know if you reside in Seward or not, Seward, mm-hmm. Alaska, which is at pretty much the f- south end of the Kenai Peninsula. Is that, how would you describe that? It's the, on the eastern side of the Kenai Peninsula. Well, yeah, up there, things kind of go in different directions. I get confused. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. But, uh, well, it's the east side. Yep. But it's uh, the southernmost point on the east side, the yeah, road yeah. goes west, and then it goes down to Homer <laughs> on the other side. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> point is, it's on the south end of the Kenai Peninsula. Yes, okay. that sounds good. And Seward is such a neat little town. It's not very big, but they've got a lot of boats, and I think they're probably best known um, for their halibut fishery. But mm-hmm. there's, but there's a lot more than just that, and you tend to do a lot of fly fishing, and I don't know about fly fishing for halibut. I don't think that's such a good idea. You could. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, yeah. but the rockfish and the silvers are doable on a fly rod. Yeah. But, Both uh, halibut. Yeah, I know. Well, Frank, Frank, Frank will fly fish for anything. But, uh, <laughs> That's true. And oh, I have and to I always catch what I go after. Well, Andrew, I have a question for you. Halibut normally uh-huh. they like to have uh, sandy bottoms, maybe with a few rocks, and they just kind of get down there in the sand and disappear. And you know, they when something comes by, they kind of pop up and grab it. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, uh, fly fishing, I guess you could do it, but do they ever come up to the top water and, and uh, feed? Yeah. Not that I know of, but I'm no expert on, on halibut. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. They, okay. I, I've seen them running right on top of the water. Mm-hmm. Well, I've never experienced that, but, uh, you know, they go where the feed is, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But uh, give us an idea, if you wouldn't mind, Andrew, about what you do and, uh, you know, what you're after and, you know, why would somebody want to go to Seward in the first place? Sure. So uh, my business is called Dragonfly Fishing Guides, and we specialize in remote hiking float tube fly fishing. There's lots of lakes on the Kenai Peninsula, and uh, some of them are as easy to get to as stepping off the shoulder of the highway, and some of them we hike several miles back into. We float tube fish for um, Arctic char, Dolly Varden, rainbow trout, and Arctic grayling. And then we also run drift boat fly fishing trips on the wildest sections of the Kenai River. Mm-hmm. And on the Kenai, we really specialize or really enjoy targeting the trophy rainbow trout, some of the biggest trout in the world on that on oh, really? that river. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Well, I know the Kenai is known for big fish. And from what I understand, there's actually a particular strain of the Chinook or King Salmon that mm-hmm. is the Kenai strain, and virtually all world records for salmon are from that strain. Whether they yep. come out of the Kenai River or not, I know they've caught them in other places, but they find out that they actually originated from the Kenai. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I know that some of the biggest King Salmon in the world definitely come out of the, the Kenai River. Mm-hmm. When you're floating down, you know it's, uh, it's well. First of all, it's beautiful, but you know you get uh, you know the 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 boats that uh, you know the flat bottom boats you kind of drift down or mm-hmm. you know and, and pull it out. Even though um, you know they're not grabbing at your your hook, you know they're there. And just floating over those monsters is just uh, um, kind of exciting in itself. Oh yeah. It's definitely just a thrill to have a line in the water where fish that big are swimming around. Mm-hmm. Uh, one question. 
some of your lakes out there, you mm-hmm. get uh, northern pike. Yeah, they've, they've eradicated most of them um, as far as northern pike fishing goes on the Kenai Peninsula. They've, they've tried to get rid of almost all of them. Um, but we do take people pike fishing, but we go out of the Willow area north of Anchorage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, the pike are, well, first of all, I guess the reason they don't want them is they're voracious eaters, aren't they? Oh, they're huge. They're hugely voracious eaters. And they say that their native range is, is only north of the Alaska range. So, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, they're, I mean, they're just afraid that they would get into a, a big, a big, uh, you know, watershed like the Kenai that has such prolific trout and salmon Mm-hmm. Salmon runs are just decimated. They'd be the only thing left. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, if you do get a, uh, a pike, you want to be careful with it. <laughs> They've got big, sharp teeth, and they're mean. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. they got teeth on their tongue and teeth on the roof of their mouth and teeth on the gills and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, give us an idea about the process. Uh, I booked a trip with you. Uh, mm-hmm. tell, tell us a little bit about the trip itself, um, what you're going to be targeting, and how you catch them. So you would go on a, a river trip? Uh, just, I don't know, one of your typical trips. Like, just explain one. All right. So for a, if you book a hiking experience with us, um, then we're going to choose sort of based on your expectations and what you want to fish for and the time of the year and what's going on, you know, one of the many lakes that we have access to. And... Uh, <clears throat> Depending on how far you want to hike, if you you know the hikes are a big part of the experience as far as you know hiking on a trail through the through the temperate rainforest here in Seward or going up to an alpine lake and climbing mountains and and uh, when we get to the lake we put on waders and fins and uh, fish out of float tubes which are like U-shaped inner tubes with sling seats in them mm-hmm. and so and then we spend the day and. and really really nice experience with doing these remote hiking float tube fishing trips is is the fact that i would say 95 percent of the time we're the only people out there which is even you know even in alaska can be hard to uh hard to accomplish is to get away from the crowds fully especially in the height of the summer mm-hmm. um so we get you know we get out to these lakes and we just kind of kick around like ducks and uh we throw flies to hungry fish that not many people get to fish because they either don't want to hike to them or the shorelines are too brushy and the float tubes are the only way to get at them. And, well, you mentioned so. something about getting out of the car on the side of the road and going fishing. I like that idea better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have some lakes if you're not interested in doing a, you know, if you or if you want more of a casual hike, we have some closer ones. There's some, you know, some really big fish in, in upper and lower summit lakes just right along the side of the Seward Highway there about mile 54. Uh, coming south from Anchorage. Mm-hmm. And so what's an average day of catching char and trout on your backpack way in and what's the size? When we're hiking into the lakes, it's I would say it's fairly common for someone who's never touched a fly rod before to catch between 10 and 20 fish. Mm-hmm. Um, that's and and those are just short, you know, the, the trips are generally six hours total, including the hiking and the hideout. So that's, you know, in just in just a few hours of fishing time. And uh, we generally release the fish, but it is legal to keep them in the lakes. And so uh, if, if clients want to eat them, what we tend to do is we'll, we'll add like a shore lunch into the 
mm-hmm. into the itinerary there. We'll, we'll sacrifice a little bit of fishing time and roll a few out on the bank. And there's there's some, you know, a few campsites that are already there with fire rings, and we'll you know cook a cook a trout or a dolly or a grayling or whatever it is in, in some foil, and kind of add to the experience. Well, you mentioned a pike. Um, I yep. said, you know you'd probably prefer people to keep the pike, right? Yeah, in fact, in a lot, in many places in Alaska, the regulations that you can't put one back in the water alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like to do with pike is carry them out and take them home and pickle them because when you pickle them, the bones oh, dissolve. Oh, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, what is what is a pike like for eating? Right. Yeah, the pike are great eating, but they're very bony. They have like an extra set of ribs called the Y bone that makes them. You have to take the fillets off kind of in three pieces, the top of the fish and then each side below the Y-bone. But Mm -hmm. um, in these lakes where you can't put them back, you end up catching these, you know, you catch some small ones, some hammer handles. And and the only way to really eat those is to pickle them Hmm. because then you just fillet them like a salmon straight down to the spine, take the halves off and Mm -hmm. fillet the skin off. One thing thing we chunk up the meat and the bones dissolve. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it's just a great way to eat small fish because the bones will dissolve right out of there. Well, if you don't, if you don't mind, I know you're an angler, not a chef, but um, tell us how to pickle a, a pike. Okay, so you first start with um, white vinegar and equal parts sugar and salt. You want to pre-call it. And then you, you're going to soak the pike in there, and that's going to dissolve all the bones out of it and firm up the fish. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to make your actual brine, which is going to be your pickling spices. Um, it's going to be, again, it'll be sugar, salt, white vinegar. And then what I like to add, a lot of people use white wine. Um, but what I really like to use is a dry champagne. Oh. That, Ooh. That, that really gives it like a little zip. And um, and you want to set it in your jar in your fridge and give it a shake, you know, a couple times a day and let it sit in there for about two weeks and... You can eat it the whole time, but if you if you give it about two weeks, it'll really kind of mature. But then yeah, as you eat, eat your way through the jar, you'll you'll taste you know the taste of the fish will be evolving with the longer it sits in your fridge. One one question, real quick: If somebody wants to come up and go with you, would you give yep. your website? Oh yeah, it's just it's just dragonflyfishingguide.com. Now, is that no S? It's fishing guide. No, there is an S at the end. Okay, dragonflyfishingguides.com. Yep. Okay. Yeah, there's a, a lot of the guys that go up there with you that love you. Okay. So. The float, uh, we didn't get much on floating for uh, okay. silvers. Frank, we're going to be out of time in about 15 seconds. But okay. uh, I think that we, you know, it, it sounds great, Andrew. We appreciate that. And that's Dragonfly or DragonflyFishingGuides.com. And go up there. It. Beautiful place. There's so much to do up there. And I, I suggest you fly into Anchorage and drive down. It's a beautiful drive. You can fly in, but it's a little pricey and it's not as much fun. All right. We appreciate that very much, Andrew. We're going to be back, back with you with Fish Hunt Talk Radio. The soft science footbed absorbs the shock of pounding waves, engine vibration, and even rocky terrain. Soft Science shoes are roomy and relaxed, and they drain and dry quickly. Check out the Soft Science Fin fishing shoes and boots and the Fin H2O for kayaking and canoeing. They're lightweight, slip-resistant, and won't mark your deck. See the new styles for men and women, and get your pair on at softscience.com. 
It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Mystery Tackle Box is the most fun and affordable way to discover new lures every month. Select your target species and select your subscription length. Get your box delivered. Catch more fish. It's that easy. Offering fresh and salt water. We've partnered with Fish Talk to get you a great deal. Use the promo code FISHTALK for $10 off your first subscription. Mystery Tackle Box is the original monthly lure subscription service. In fact, we've been told that it feels like Christmas once a month and you can get started for as little as 15 bucks a month. Go to mysterytacklebox.com today. That's mysterytacklebox.com and start getting your packages every month. This is John and I believe in Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com, mention Fish Talk, get a special deal and get the packages coming every month. You will be looking forward to it. Alaskan RV Butler. Guiding, fishing, hiking, sightseeing, adventure. The Alaskan RV Butler. Like a cruise on wheels in the comfort of an RV. View the wonders of Alaskan interior, streams, ocean, and wildlife. Or fish for the big one. All while pampered by Mike, the Alaskan RV Butler. Mike's inclusive tours serve butter-drenched shellfish and mouth-watering steaks. Mike is your personal chef, chauffeur, guide, and planner. And for the real Alaska, contact MikeRVButler at gmail.com. That's MikeRVButler at gmail.com. Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and this is FishHuntTalkRadio.com. And you can go to our website at any time and listen to today's show, last week's show, last month's show. We've got so much interesting things. I think if you start tuning in and listening, you're going to, uh, might stay up all night. But uh, we've got a lot of great stuff. Right now, we have a great guest that I'll let Frank introduce because I've never met the gentleman, but Frank was telling me some stories about Danny. And Frank, why don't you go ahead and, you know, tell us some stories. Okay, Dan, Danny Cadota and me have been friends for of years. Uh, he was a Loomis rep for years. He's uh, his family owns uh, two uh, 
What do you call them docks down in no, San one Diego? Landing. One landing. Landing. H and M. H and M landing. What? Yes. Your family yes. is. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. No, we're we're partners. Wow. We're partners yeah. with Linda Palm and Franker City. Yeah. Well, uh, then you're big time. Yeah, and no, also. <laughs> He's one of the best fishermen I like to fish with. Danny is goes all over the world fishing, and we're going to talk about a couple of 200 to 300-pound fish. Is that right? In oh, Uganda? Yeah, Not quite three, but, I mean, it's up oh. it's hard. Hey, to we're fishermen. We stretch <laughs> it a little. <laughs> now, well, when you, got, you got two guys and myself that can't lift it. I couldn't even get my arms around it. It's pretty amazing. Actually jump in the water with them, even though they came in and piranhas in the, in the lagoons, too. Well, we're going to, sometime during the, when we have you on, I'm going to talk about uh, H&M and the San Diego Long Range. Sure, right? sure. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about you and, and uh, your, your fishing. So go ahead, Frank. Okay, let's start off with your last little trip down there. You had a ball, but you wanted to tell some people both ways. Well, yeah, you know, I went down to Guyana, and I took down a lot of conventional tackle, thinking that, you know, when you're approaching a fish that's, uh, you know, 150 to 300, even up to 400 pounds, uh, you want to go geared up, you know. So we're taking 80-pound spectrum. You have to, you know, uh, like anything else, you have to really prepare. You have to have four, four X hooks stronger than anything we generally use in the ocean. But... You know, I went down there with conventional gear, and a friend of mine said, well, why don't you bring a fly rod? I go, God, you crazy. Come on, these things, you know, um, these things are huge. I'm not going to mess around trying to land one of these on a fly rod. Well, I made a huge mistake because in, in fishing these Arapaima, which are uh, very, well, at one time were close to becoming extinct, you're finding out that it's a very stealthy fish to hook, and you have to be quiet. You can't move around in the pond much. And when we're taking these lures and casting them, just the amount of the noise that the lures make hitting the water will spook them. So you have usually like one shot. You want to make a perfect cast. It's got to be three feet in front of them and three feet past them. So as you're bringing it through, it's just perfect. Because if you start pounding in the water with the lures, they sink out. They spook. But with a fly rod, and this is this, this came to me while I was already down there. It was too late. But you know the stealthiness of the way the fly line lands on the water and doesn't splash, and it, you know it make it very effective. The thing that you'd have to do is you'd have to fish it a lot like a tarpon because they got a really hard mouth, and you really got to get the hook in it. It's hard to get the hook in because it's it's uh, again it's a very hard mouth, very similar to a tarpon, but they're on the prehistoric side. So they have to breathe air, so they come up and you could spot oh, them. Oh, wait a minute. Let's, let's take a step back a little bit. Yeah. First of all, did you say you were in Guyana? Yep. Guyana. Guyana, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, I've never even heard about people fishing Guyana. Tell us a, you, you tell us a little bit more about uh, uh, Guyana, where, you know, where it is and where you fish. You know, it's in the upper part. It's just a, a lot of... Like in the top of the Caribbean, you know, Trinidad, Trinidad, right. Tobago, or just above it. You got Venezuela on one side, 
you got the Amazon down to the southeast, southwest of it a little, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just laden, and it's the third, I think it's the third largest river down there. It's huge. The um, That's a cable. Mm-hmm. And but the diversity of fishing is just phenomenal. Well, uh, Danny, I would suspect that they don't get a lot of pressure. It doesn't sound like a place that a lot of people go. No, no, it's not. It's a, a very well kept secret. I think the beauty of this one, you know, I used to go down to Brazil quite a bit, and I got hooked on those big peacocks. Well, Guyana has peacocks. Doesn't have the the size that they have in Brazil. But they certainly have the volume. I mean, you could stand on a rock and catch 30, 30 peacocks, but the diversity is you can stand there and catch a wolfish, a pyara, you know, the, they have the huge teeth that recede up into the head. There's a piranha that are 5 to 11 pounds down there. Whoa! They have a picuda, which is a, a freshwater barracuda that I'm sure evolved out of the ocean. So, I mean, it's just the diversity of fish is just phenomenal. Hmm. But what I, I think one of the biggest attributes that I loved was that unlike, you know, Brazil, where the guides are all speaking Portuguese, and I don't speak Portuguese, it's pretty tough to communicate with them. The guides in Guyana, the, it's the only country in South America where English is the, the national language. Hmm. So the guy, you're sitting there with the guides for the whole time this week, and they're explaining the history and everything, and I found that to be one of the greatest attributes. You know, they would tell you why this and why that and what this is. And, you know, it was just that part was was a tremendous learning experience. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's right. We, we certainly never talked about Guyana, have we, Frank? No, we haven't. It's a and great but, secret. Yeah. The next time Daddy goes, he's going to call me because I'm going with yeah. him if I have to get in his suitcase. Okay. So, yeah, no, you would, Frank, you would go nuts. I mean, well, the Danny, diversity of fish is awesome. Danny, um, you know, in my observation is, you know, we were talking to somebody from Cabo San Lucas, and they've uh-huh. got, I don't know, probably three, 350, you know, private charter boats that go out of Cabo. And they fish, you know, like 360 days a year. So there's a lot of competition, and they don't have to charge a lot of money. But when you get into the more remote areas that don't have the infrastructure, it's usually expensive. So tell us about the accommodations, the boats, and that type of thing. Well, you know, you, you fly. You fly out of, we flew out of LAX, and we landed in Panama. Then, then you transfer to a smaller plane, and you go down from Panama to Guyana mm-hmm. a couple more hours. Then again, you have to take uh, a eight ten passenger plane into the jungle oh. to get into you know, fly into the dirt fields, and um, it's just really really an experience and a half. And then from there, you shuttle up the river about an hour and a half hours to get to the camp. So it's very remote, you know. But the beauty of this place is, you know, the, the Arapaima are probably one of the best. I I, I got to say, maybe 15 years ago, I was in Brazil. And a friend of mine, Steve, told me who does the anglers uh, travel stuff for us, anglers uh, travel adventures, you know. He, he took me into Manaus, and we had a fish dinner rather than a, well, we, we had right. Brazilian barbecues, but we had a fish dinner one night. And he gave, we had this arapaima, and they had it done in uh, the rib cage where they, they barbecued it. They had it in soup. They had it, we had it done about a couple of different ways, and it was phenomenal. 
it was absolutely unbelievable. But that caused the demise of Arapaima in South America in general. And so it's so heavily overfished because it's such an excellent eating fish that it's nowhere to be found. Well, Steve was just given a international, an IGFA award for, for creating a 50-mile reserve down here in Guyana where there's no, it's catch and release only, there's no take, and they're actually using the stocks down there in Guyana to breed Arapaima to restock all the rest of the South American countries. So he was just recently given a, a special IGFA award, which is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. You know, the conservationist, you know. Well, Danny, this is, you know, again, I mean, you can go to, you know, there are a lot of places in in Baja, and it's you know, it's, it's easy to get there and it's cheap. Uh, give us an idea of what it's going to cost to go to Guyana and, and do a trip like you're talking about. It's got to be five, ten thousand. I think I think total is about six by the time you're done with the air. So yeah, you know, and then and then preparation and tackle and everything yeah. else. Although that's for me, that's the fun part. Yeah, you know, yeah. you got to do your homework. But if you if you go talk to Steve at the shows, like he goes to Long Beach show, they key you in and they they have a list of equipment where you don't have to go out and buy everything. Yeah, the the, the thing is that it depends what you want to do. The diversity is phenomenal. Also spend a day and go catch world-class red-tailed catfish. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's just it's unbelievable. Right. You know, when you start right. thinking about catching over 100-pound catfish. Right. You know. Well, we've only got uh, less than a minute left. But, you know, first of all, they speak English, and it gets very yep. little pressure. And it's a little more pricey than, you know, some of the other trips you've been on. But, hey, you can go to Alaska for a week and spend that or more. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. No, but, uh, what you take in as far as educational-wise, yeah. you're, you're overloaded with one trip. There you it's go. It's going to take a couple trips to, yeah. to start absorbing things. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to have to run to a break in a couple of minutes, but uh, you've agreed yeah. to hang on for at least a couple of minutes when we come back, okay. and maybe we'll talk about uh, the San Diego fleet, if you don't mind. Uh, no, that's fine. I'm getting ready to go down there in the... In a couple weeks. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be right back with Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Go to fishhunttalkradio.com and listen to us as many times as you want right on the front page. Hey, Mike, I think we need some more cowbells. A few years ago, a sailor set out to design a boat shoe that was comfortable and stable, non-skid, and wouldn't mark the decks. Today, these incredibly comfortable shoes are worn by anglers, boaters, professional guides, and charter captains. Go to softscience.com to see more. Soft Science shoes and boots are lightweight and shock absorbent with just the right level of support. Several styles come in all sizes. Enjoy the Soft Science shoe in the water and out. Check them out at softscience.com. Used by fishermen who know where to get the best fishing gear around, AFTCO makes the highest quality fishing rod components worldwide. If it says AFTCO, you know you have a quality rod. Guy Harvey Clothing, the best outdoor clothing line anywhere, is also available through AFTCO. Longest lasting, functional, and best looking clothing you'll be proud to wear. Only the very best materials and workmanship. As soon as you put it on, you'll know the difference. Look for AFTCO at quality retailers or go to AFTCO.com. Great news. You can now watch Grizz's shows 
wherever you are, whenever you want, on all your mobile devices. Download the Grizz Channel app today. Enjoy an adventure during that boring wait at the doctor's office. Or while you're sitting at the airport waiting for your next flight. Just go to your phone, tablet, or even Kindle app store or iTunes and download it today. And when you get home, you can watch The Grizz on your big screen on Roku. Catch The Grizz next adventure today. Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we have a very interesting uh, person. We have Danny Cadota on the line. It's been basically talking about Guyana fishing, and that's a first for us, Frank. I don't think we've ever talked about that before, but we're going to have to talk to him a little bit more because it's an incredible fishery, uh, kind of a secret spot, uh, but the country speaks English, and it's you know it just sounds like a great, great trip for not just the fishing. Forever thing. Yeah. Did you try a couple of the piranha while you were down there, Danny? The piranha are absolutely delicious. Now these aren't <laughs> the ones that we're catching. Aren't the, the little red ones are the ones that are really dangerous? Yeah, the smaller red ones. Yeah, the big black piranhas. These are like five to eleven pounds. Whoa! They are absolutely delicious. Hmm. But you know, in in, in Brazil. We actually swam with some of the red ones and mm-hmm. some of the, the black ones, but you have to go by what the guide tells you. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't, you can't have a cut or anything. Yeah. But you could actually swim in the water with them. When they do become dangerous, is when the water recedes away from the river, and these the piranha get they get trapped inside a lagoon. Well, then oh. the food source is limited. Oh. Naturally, they get really they get very aggressive. Yeah. But then, the bottom line is they're not the top of the food chain. Yeah. Because the piranhas eat them, and then the caiman eat the eat the the um, the peacock bass. Oh. You know, and so it's you know, it's uh, you know the cycle of life there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Danny, before we let you go, you mentioned early on about H&M Landing. Mm-hmm. Well, the San Diego fishing fleet is something so unique that I don't believe it exists anywhere else in the world. You know, these boats that go out of San Diego, they're not just a fishing boat. They're a mini cruise line. Oh, yeah. And, and no, you go, it, it, it's elevated over the years. I did, <laughs> I, well, I don't know if you do, but I ran boats from the time I got out of college. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I ran it for, oh, I don't even know how many years. Well, these, you know, they typically. Well, from 75 to about 1992. Yeah, I mean, typically you, I you do like a 5 to a 14-day trip, and they travel a long distance, and it's very comfortable, but, you know, they, the reason they travel that distance is because if you're looking for a two to 300-pound yellowfin tuna or some of the other exotic places, virtually every trip people come back with just, hundreds of pounds of, of fillets and it's just so exciting if you know to to get a 200 plus uh, tuna well I'll, I'll tell you as, as you get older you start appreciating uh, appreciating different type of fish <laughs> <laughs> a lot more I'll tell you a quick story Danny it was a, a yeah. trip yes, I've, I've caught some big tuna and they just like to go down to the bottom and swim around and they're a lot of work so you know there's a fish on and uh, it goes down I go well how big is it he says oh man it's 150-200 he says okay you can have it <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Daddy, real quick, I got to tell you, Siri said to say hi, and she says she's still using that rod that you gave me, I gave to her. Awesome. She says, to test, throw you a kiss. I says, no, his wife had beat me up. <laughs> she's in Florida now. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neat deal. neat deal. She guides out of Florida. All right. Well, there's another great fishery down there, too. I've always had fun fishing down there, too. Yeah. A lot of diversity. Well, yeah. Danny, I know you have a lot of boats, but you're real close. You're in Long Beach still. One of these days, we'll just have to jump on one of mine and run over to Catalina. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm across the harbor. I'm over in San Pedro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're in the channel here. But yeah. Well, no, well, we could meet at the other boat company there in San Pedro. Okay. Yep. Well, L.A. Waterfront is right next to All right. To well, show. Danny, next time, next time you're around, maybe we'll talk about the San Diego fleet because it is like nothing else in the world. And we'll figure out why and how, but well, uh, why you'd want to do that. The biggest thing that makes it different from any place in the world is the live bait operation. That's There's right. nobody around that, that's a multi-million dollar deal from the mm-hmm. Irvingham brothers. And we've had a source of live bait for years that separates us from anybody in the world. Well, yeah. You, that's, you, what, you, that's what allows for this type of fishery. Exactly. And you, you take it a thousand miles down and they're there. Anyway, we got to go. You're listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Welcome to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. This is John Hennigan, and uh, yes, that's what we do, right, Frank? Yes. And, you know, we, we try and mix it up a little bit. We've talked to, you know, we've talked to equipment manufacturers and gear and get you set up and all these exciting. Man, that uh, the, the, the earlier show that we did, uh, Fishing Guyana, I never would have thought. Yeah. But that is incredible. That's so much the, fun. It's so cheap, really, compared to a lot of places like just going 
down to Cuba, it's going to cost us about the same amount. Well, we'll talk about that because we haven't even started yet. But we'd like yeah. to, you know, we've had pretty good success so far this year booking our hosted trips. And, you know, Cuba is something that's always been at the top of my list. So it's a we'll lot to, of fun. You know, what I'd like to do is maybe do a, a day of, uh, you know, saltwater fishing, maybe a, a day of freshwater fishing, uh, a day in Havana, go to the Hemingway Bar. And, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, of course, you'd want to go to the bars. Well, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go to the nightclubs in the evening. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. I don't know what they do, but I don't know. Our, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. The very first time I went he- pheasant hunting, I was in Sun Valley, Idaho. I used to have a place up there, and the very first time I went pheasant hunting, I used Ernest Hemingway shotgun. Uh, I'll save that story for a different time, but uh, okay. you know he's been—he was such a huge influence, and you know he—he he died in Sun Valley, and lived up there and knew his family. But uh, um, that's a—that's a whole different story. But Cuba is—we got to start putting it together, but we got to get some people interested before we can go. I think yeah. we're going to have to limit to probably around eight people. Yeah. But, uh, well, 10 is usually the amount we go into Cuba in. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start working on that. And also, we got to start uh, working on um, getting some commitments to our trip to East Cape at the end of September. Well, I'm going to start mentioning that. I'm back on the circuit uh, doing the clubs, so I'm going to yeah. start mentioning that, print up some and oh, yeah. for the people. Yeah, now that's a little bit less expensive, but yeah, it's a a beautiful, beautiful, expensive. beautiful. <laughs> but uh, anyway, fine. it looks like we're going to have to go to work, Frank. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we've got some very interesting, if you like to eat, we've got someone that you want to talk to. We'll be right back. The soft science footbed absorbs the shock of pounding waves, engine vibration, and even rocky terrain. Soft science shoes are roomy and relaxed, and they drain and dry quickly. Check out the soft science fin fishing shoes and boots and the fin H2O for kayaking and canoeing. They're lightweight, slip resistant, and won't mark your deck. See the new styles for men and women and get your pair on at softscience.com. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. If you are still using a plastic hard shell cooler, things have changed for the better. AO coolers are lighter with twice the efficiency of the traditional bulky coolers. AO coolers are the best available soft-sided cooler with three-quarter inch high-density closed-cell foam insulation. They will keep ice frozen for 24 hours in hot weather. Easy to carry, less space, it fits product inside for better performance. Go to aocoolers.com to order or find a retailer available at West Marine. The road stretches for miles in front of you. 
And with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway, so your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. Alaskan RV Butler. Guiding, fishing, hiking, sightseeing, adventure. The Alaskan RV Butler. Like a cruise on wheels in the comfort of an RV, view the wonders of Alaskan interior, streams, ocean, and wildlife. Or fish for the big one, all while pampered by Mike, the Alaskan RV Butler. Mike's inclusive tours serve butter-drenched shellfish and mouthwatering steaks. Mike is your personal chef, chauffeur, guide, and planner. And for the real Alaska, contact MikeRVButler at gmail.com. That's MikeRVButler at gmail.com. Fishman, if fish anywhere, anywhere there's water, Lord knows he'll be there. He's just like a gypsy, mighty hard to hold. Great American fisherman got fishing in his soul. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we have on the line with us um, someone that, that you're really going to enjoy. Now, John McGannon has a company called Wild Eats, and his, uh, what are you, a spiceologist, John, or what would you call it? Oh, I've been called a lot of things, John. Um, no, I'm just a passionate uh Detail-driven chef that's been uh, been dabbling in the in the food industry for oh the last uh, four plus decades around mm-hmm. the country and even abroad. I've mm-hmm. opened a restaurant in uh, in Hong Kong as well. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, you are a big deal. Well, I don't <laughs> know how big of a no. deal. I, I know how to make friends though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we we met at the Long Beach show and tasted some of that. Um, you know, I've got some spices from you, but you owe me some more, John. You got to send me some more stuff. I think but, we can arrange that. Okay, I'll, yes, I'll just, I've got I'll, I'll, you I've, use it, and I'll just keep making more. There you go. Well, I've got I don't know, probably somewhere between fifty and a hundred different spices in my spice rack. Uh, of course, they're scattered all over the place. So, but uh, uh, you know what you do. It's, it, it is different because you specialize in wild game, but mm-hmm. most of the stuff you do can be used for beef or pork or chicken or whatever it is. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so I've been, you know, I've been, a, as I said, uh, I've been in a professional chef for uh, for the last forty plus years. And oh, I didn't know that. There's. Um, you know, everything is about balance. Every ingredient, you know, you say you have 100 different spices in your cabinet. Now, I, I actually developed, you know, I, for years I was the uh, uh, contributing culinary director for the uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, and I'm also still writing for the Mule Deer Foundation as mm-hmm. well. As, oh, yeah, as we've well had them a, on. Yeah, we've had them on. Yeah, but, there's a bunch uh, of other uh, mm-hmm. other nationally published uh, Publications, but well, the I developed what is called the uh, the culinary compass, and the culinary compass basically takes down every one of the uh, ingredients that are in a recipe, and it you either fall into one of four different groups, and it's either a fat or an acid, or a spice or a sweet, and and sp- spices and herbs all fall into that category as well. So as long as you have 
the proper proportion and balance of ingredients, then you know you can adjust it so that it suits your particular palate. Mm-hmm. So we all have a different idea of what tastes good, right? So uh, just because you taste something and it's not pleasing to your particular taste doesn't mean the whole case is lost. It just means you need to you need to adjust uh, a little bit in one direction or another to suit your particular. Um, kind of taste. Well, wild game is something that you know uh, some people you know fill their freezer and the, you know and then they they live off that for the year. But uh, oh, it's the original uh, free range, organic and natural. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly no GMOs or anything else. But uh, yeah, no. When no you want when you want healthy, you want healthy. Uh, you can go to Whole Foods and all the other expensive markets around the country and pay. A, Pay a fortune for that, but uh, we as hunters and fishermen, for that for that matter, as well mm-hmm. as uh, we've been enjoying those uh, those uh, free range organic lean pieces of protein for mm-hmm. a long, long time. Well, you know, wild game. First of all, it depends a lot on what it eats and how it's going to oh, taste. Oh, we are, it's we are what out. we eat. There's no doubt about that. And you know, some some is better than others. Some cuts are better than others. But uh, people, some people just have an aversion to it because oh, it tastes gamey. Well, <laughs> gamey. The, the whole term gamey, just like your fish shouldn't be fishy. Right. Your game. Your game shouldn't be gamey. And mm-hmm. if it is, there are there's reasons for that. Um, so you know, for, in, if you're a fisherman and you have your fish, you catch your fish, you stick it in the in a cooler that's full of, of water, and you soak your fish in this water. Well, that's going to have a tremendous negative factor on the quality of that flesh. Mm-hmm. Well, the understanding um, the difference between a domestic piece of meat and a piece of wild game meat is very critical, and it's it may seem confusing, but when you really think about it, it's very quite simple. Mm-hmm. Wild game has about two times the amount of capillary blood than does a land animal or a domestic animal. The reason why it, that's why the meat is so dark and rich in color, mm-hmm. and it is this capillary blood that supplies oxygen to the heart and lungs, so it could run up and down ten thousand foot mountains, or in the case of waterfowl, go on migrations for hundred, if not thousands of miles. It's this extra capillary blood that supplies oxygen and it allows the animal to do what it does well that's really good for these animals but it's not so good for us because the capillary blood that's inside of our muscle tissues is the broken down byproduct of whatever it is that we eat just like you Mm -hmm. said you know it depends on what they eat well yeah so if you're a duck eating aquatic plant life out of the bottom of a muddy slough and then you go ahead and consume that flesh in this overly saturated state, well, it's going to taste like the bottom of a muddy slough. (laughs) And the same thing with your deer and your elk. Um, So just like all the finest restaurants in the world, they dry age their beef Mm -hmm. um, to get their maximum uh, flavor potential. Well, you have to do exactly the same thing with your wild game. You know, I was going to ask you about that because, you know, what I do is I've got a commercial vacuum packing machine and Mm -hmm. I'll I'll get uh, some meat at the grocery store or wherever it is and vacuum seal it and put it in the refrigerator for two to three weeks and it breaks down all of the... uh, 
you know the fibers uh, and makes it so tender that uh, it, it completely changes it. Um, well, the, uh, they refer to that as wet aging. Yes. Um, but it's still sitting in, even though it's a, it's a piece of domestic meat, it's still sitting in its own blood. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they feed these, uh, these cattle, you know, they're getting their grain and corn fed. And so the blood is, is very subtle. Uh, but it's still sitting in blood. Oh. Um, dry aging mm-hmm. uh, evaporates the internal moisture, drains the blood out, and without those two liquid properties, the, the fiber structure basically just uh, falls apart because it needs those liquid properties to maintain yeah. its structure. Well, the, you know, the bacteria, enzymes, or whatever it is that, you know, that, that, that break down the fibers. Right. And these are very underdeveloped muscle systems compared mm-hmm. to wild game. Mm-hmm. So the wild game really requires this extra moisture to maintain these highly developed muscle systems. You know, comparing a, a deer or an elk to a, a, a cattle or, or a, a, you know, a pig is like comparing a couch potato to an Olympic athlete. <laughs> and well, when you have these highly developed... Well, super in-shape muscle systems, yeah. the only way that to break it down and to, one, get rid of that quote-unquote gamey flavor is yes. by getting rid of the blood and I drying gotcha. it out. I gotcha. and unfortunately, we live in a society that we are in the soak it yeah. world, where if it doesn't taste good, we want to soak it in some kind of marinade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let me, basically, all you're doing is you're adding more moisture, which is actually strengthening the fiber structure. And so you're you're doing the complete opposite of what you okay. what you really should well, be doing. We're, to we're get a little the bit sh- we're a little bit short on time, but let me just make a comment and ask a question. Okay. Um, first of all, if you're dry aging, you have to be very very careful because you have to have some airflow, and it has to be kept between I think 35 and 37 degrees. Yeah, below 40, above freezing, below 40. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's usually and, the area. Right. And you and you could also do dry aging piece by piece. It doesn't have to be. Uh, a a whole animal or a yeah. quarter. I mean, you can do it muscle group by muscle group. Okay. And you can do it in your refrigerator, in the extra fridge that you got oh, really? down in the garage. Oh, really? I didn't thought about that. Yeah. So you just sure. kind of... As long you just... as you have the bigger the piece, and just as it, this will be the tip of the day, when you're, if you're fabricating or even having a professionally done um, with your wild game, you always want to have the, the pieces of meat left in as big a piece as possible so that you go ahead and, and now you can reintroduce dry aging mm-hmm. and all you have to do is trim the outside of a very large piece of meat. If you go ahead and have everything pre-cut into steaks, yep. you'll never be able to, to do that. Plus, right. you're going to lose, your yield is going to be about 50% of what it should be. Right. So if anybody, if anybody's out there catching deer or elk, uh, pay, pay close attention. Uh, John, Leave it whole, you, yes. you, you are, your company is Wild Eats. What is your uh, website? The website is wildeats.com. In fact, I'm, uh, we're working on re, uh, revamping that as well. And there's um, all kinds of recipes which we're gonna we're gonna share with uh, with your website as well. There you go. And, Perfect. Uh, you know, sharing information is a good thing. So there yeah, wildeats.com. We also have a Instagram page as well as a uh, Facebook page. So there's Perfect. all kinds of. Good, useful information, okay. and and if anybody ever has well, a question, John, they could always just reach out and, and get me. John, we'll uh, bring you back side. in and talk about the spices because we're out of time. WildEats.com. We appreciate that, John, and some great information.
The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Wormer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. Vagabundos del Mar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. Mystery Tackle Box is the most fun and affordable way to discover new lures every month. Select your target species and select your subscription length. Get your box delivered. Catch more fish. It's that easy. Offering fresh and salt water, we've partnered with Fish Talk to get you a great deal. Use the promo code Fish Talk for $10 off your first subscription. Mystery Tackle Box is the original monthly lure subscription service. In fact, we've been told that it feels like Christmas once a month and you can get started for as little as 15 bucks a month. Go to mysterytacklebox.com today. That's mysterytacklebox.com and start getting your packages every month. This is John and I believe in Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com, mention Fish Talk, get a special deal and get the packages coming every month. You will be looking forward to it. You can't catch fish. 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 No, 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 no. You can't catch fish. No, 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 no. You can't catch fish. No, 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 no. You can't catch fish. No, no, no. I got a little story about a city boy that came to Wisconsin up from Illinois so he can enter. The big fish contest, it's a thumb box cash for the biggest and the best, but I told him. Guy, you're making a mistake. You don't stand a chance catching fish on the slate, cause hey, you can pray you want to wish. But let me tell you something, guy, you can't fish. I told you there, guy. Can't catch fish. What do you think you're doing? Can't catch fish. For Christ's sake. You can't catch fish. Go back to Illinois, hey. Can't catch fish. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we also have Frank Selby. On the line with us is John Procknow. He is the Director of Product Development for Berkeley, which <laughs> I don't know how many different brands, but as far as bait goes, um, I don't know. you got, well, we're talking about soft bait. Mostly is what you do, right, John? Yeah, that's the area I specialize in. Mm-hmm. And what what Berkeley does is that they use, they have the facilities that probably no other company in the world has um, to develop this. You know, you've got, uh, well, give us a quick idea what you've got in your lab. Uh, right now, we've got uh, we got a fish biology lab here. We've got an applied chemistry lab, and we got an uh, analytical chemistry lab just for the baits 
area and uh, just give you an idea of the resources we have here. We've got anywhere from 500 to 2,000 fish on hand at any time to do uh, some of our laboratory <laughs> testing on and those types of things. So this is not something you're going to probably come up with in your garage at home. No, you got a pretty big garage for this. Yeah. <laughs> a, I always, I, I've never been to visit you, but I just always picture you as, you know, some kind of a mad scientist uh, deep below the surface uh, working on these concoctions. But you've been primarily uh, responsible for some of the best um, uh, fish attracting, you know, bait, you know, with, uh, uh, of course, the, it, and then it, it never stops. Give us a quick idea of, of some of the most successful products you've come up with. Uh, some of the ones in the very beginning, which started back in the late uh, 1980s and early 1990s, would be things like uh, uh, Berkeley trout bait, uh, Berkeley power bait, power worms, uh, those type things that uh, really started off uh, and got us going. Those were the uh, ones that were the big hits right at first. Mm-hmm. And it really funded everything and got the uh, uh, the research facilities up and expanding uh, from those two products that came out. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been around for, what, maybe 20 years? Yeah, we're going on 30 years now. Even. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. You, have you been there all that long? Uh, I'm going on 33 years, John. Wow. You're such a kid. But uh, I have a question for you. The bait that was developed 30 years ago uh, has been around for a long time, and who knows how many people have used it successfully. But do the fish ever become accustomed to it, or um, you know, is there an aversion to it because they've been caught so many times using that bait? Or give us a quick idea, you know, is there a life cycle of the sense that you use? Uh, we have not been able to uh, find anything like that, John, but that's an excellent question. Um, as far as scents and flavors, that type of thing, uh, the fish do not seem to uh, be able to discriminate. I mean, one time you eat a, uh, a steak, you always like a steak or potatoes or whatever. But what we have found is that... Uh, uh, difference between hard baits and soft baits. Uh, we do have fish here, and we do uh, uh, do uh, uh, what I'll call uh, video filming of them on how they attack lures and things like that from underwater. And what we have found out is that soft baits, if you catch a, uh, a largemouth bass, I'm basing this off of right now, uh, you catch a largemouth bass on a soft plastic worm, uh, he may avoid anything that's uh, similar to that soft plastic worm for a number of hours. Whereas if you have them uh, and catch them on a hard crankbait, um, we've had them avoid hard crankbait type lures for up to uh, three or four days that they'll avoid that. The more negative the experience, uh, the more they avoid it. Soft plastics are kind of soft and supple and more natural. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're fooling quite a few of their senses with the scent and flavor in there also. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a hard bait, it's just a hard, chunky, clanky thing that they bit in, onto and had grappling hooks that caught them. And uh, that experience was not positive in any way. So they avoided that. That's, mm-hmm. We have seen that in our laboratory setting. Hmm. That's very interesting. But the original scent that you use, has it morphed over the years? 
Uh, a little bit. What we've done is we've actually um, modified the original, what I like to call the meat and potatoes, which are the uh, the basic components or formula that the fish respond to that uh, Dr. Jones and our fish research team came up with. And then what we like to season them with, if you will, put different compounds with them that will kind of customize them for uh, black bass, largemouth bass, smallmouth bass, saltwater fish, catfish, things like that. We have found out in our research things that we can season it with that will kind of target it towards different species. So Mm -hmm. if we've got a shape that we think like a 7-inch worm that's going to go towards a largemouth bass, we put the largemouth bass seasonings on it. If it's something that's going to go more for saltwater fish, we put more of the saltwater type of components on top of that to kind of give it a little bit more uh, attractive nature for those specific species. Well, John, I've got a question that just popped into my head. Um, you know, hard baits, uh, scent is not really what they're after, but now, you know, they, you know, I, I personally, I think that lures are designed to catch fishermen. But uh, see, oh, this thing will make a noise and it'll attract the fish. But the fish, do they respond to action, movement, scent, or what are your comments? Depending on the water, the environment they're in, the the hierarchy of them changes. For instance, in uh, very dirty, dingy water, they more will rely on their sense of uh, taste and smell and vibration or their lateral lines for feeling things whereas if you've got crystal clear environments uh, sight is obviously the number one thing that they uh, respond to but the real science of it is the more things and the more senses that you can fool of a fish if you're fishing with an artificial bait to believing it's a natural bait the uh, the better the odds are of being able to catch that fish Well, a, a quick question. Let's say if you've got a, a, a lure that looks like a baby trout. Do they recognize that as that, or are they really attracted to it for a different reason? Well, I can't speak exactly for the fish because I'm not one, but what we have <laughs> determined is that fish see contrast more than anything. They don't necessarily see uh chartreuse or white or blue or green necessarily. Now, different species of fish can see different uh, wavelengths of light, but the contrast, a light versus dark, uh, really uh, gets their attention because of the contrast and uh, whether they can see the exact shade variations and things like that. Um, well, I go th- in, in other words, if you create a bait that just looks exactly like a bait fish, do they recognize it as that? Or are they just going after it because of, you know, for different reasons, movement or whatever it is? I think it's some of both, John. Uh, the actual uh, recognizing it as a bait fish, I, I think fish strike at baits for different reasons, whether it be territorial, whether it be reactionary strike, whether it be for feeding, and depending on the reason that they're striking at that bait uh, could make a difference. Uh, For instance, a very flashy bait and a very bright colored bait is more, could be more of a reactionary strike. It startles them, they strike on it out of instinct type of thing, whereas if they're actually in a feeding mode and something comes by that looks like it should be food, 
and they recognize this food because it looks like a, a small trout or whatever, I believe that also has an influence on mm-hmm. how well you get bit. Well, I've found it's like if you're in a lake, uh, it's like where I live, Kachuma, it seems like the flame-colored flame um you know, seems to work better than 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 the other ones. I don't know. You know, just different different fisheries, a little bit different. Some of them react to different colors. Yeah, and I think you're a hundred percent right. Um, in my personal experience, even before I was working here, um, I uh, wasn't sure how much difference color made, um, but. And the more I got working here and seeing different things, I thought, well, color doesn't make that big a difference. But then I'll be out fishing uh, a certain colored uh, grub and catching fish on it, and all of a sudden the fish will shut off. And I'll switch from a white to a chartreuse, and all of a sudden I'll start catching them again. Mm -hmm. So that's telling me that there is definitely something to the color, whether it is that exact color or they can just see it better in that environment. The light has changed or the turbidity of the water. Or Or how far deep. Yes, or maybe certain populations of that fish in that school or whatever can see different colors differently, and maybe Hmm. these particular individuals see chartreuse better than they saw white. Oh, interesting. Well, we're getting short on time again. Frank, did you have a quick question for John? Uh, I was just wanting to say chartreuse seems to work better below 15 feet. I would say if I had one color to stick with, and that's all I could fish with, Frank, chartreuse would be it because i seem to have the best luck on that uh in almost any environment and i have heard that at deeper uh, depths it has been uh one that uh most of us anglers go to well we don't want to talk too much but i also understand that fish can see um a lot farther than the human eye can see in uh in less light I don't know that for a fact, John, because I haven't studied that, but I would believe that to be the case. Okay. All right. Well, it's uh, is it action, movement, scent, taste, or whatever it is? I guess it's kind of, you know, it, it all depends, right? Yeah. yeah, it depends on the environment, and uh, I would always go with whatever the fish are telling me. If they're saying they want a scented bait, I'd be using that. If they're telling me they want a high, loud, rattling bait, I'd go with okay. that. All right. Well, we're up to, we have to go, John. We appreciate you taking the time. I'd give you a website, but everybody knows where to find Berkeley. Just go to your local tackle shop. And if you have any questions, uh, you know, John will take care of you. You are listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Appreciate it. Go to the front page and listen to the show. A few years ago, a sailor set out to design a boat shoe that was comfortable and stable, non-skid, and wouldn't mark the decks. Today, these incredibly comfortable shoes are worn by anglers, boaters, professional guides, and charter captains. Go to softscience.com to see more. Soft Science shoes and boots are lightweight and shock-absorbent with just the right level of support. Several styles come in all sizes. Enjoy the Soft Science shoe in the water and out. Check them out at softscience.com. 
It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Mystery Tackle Box is the most fun and affordable way to discover new lures every month. Select your target species and select your subscription length. Get your box delivered. Catch more fish. It's that easy. Offering fresh and salt water, we've partnered with Fish Talk to get you a great deal. Use the promo code FISHTALK for $10 off your first subscription. Mystery Tackle Box is the original monthly lure subscription service. In fact, we've been told that it feels like Christmas once a month and you can get started for as little as 15 bucks a month. Go to mysterytacklebox.com today. That's mysterytacklebox.com and start getting your packages every month. This is John and I believe in Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com, mention Fish Talk, get a special deal and get the packages coming every month. You will be looking forward to it. Surprise, cause money can't buy school. You know, the guys and me, we can catch a man. will against Shad Rat. You ain't no match. Fish is just something that you can't catch. We're crying out loud, guy. You can't catch fish. You can't catch fish. You can't catch fish. You can't catch fish. Built a tug on the line, and I didn't pay attention. Spinning way too fast. Before I knew it, I was staring at a ten-pound shiny bass. When I tried to pull the fish inside, I pulled a muscle in my upper thigh. I was so scared, I threw my rod up in the air. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is Fish on Talk Radio. This is John Ennig, and we have Frank Selby as our co-host today. Cool. Next week, he'll be more of a host. And we have on the line with us, we have a, a, you know, a, a, a premier. Um, now, Jason, are you a guide, or do you what? Uh, well, my background is upland game birds research. So we partner with different universities that have wildlife programs and grad students in those programs that are working on ways to increase upland game birds. If you look nationally, we've lost about 80% of our upland game birds in the last 40 years. So a lot of factors go into that. But I would say my, my biggest thing is I'm a, a researcher. Uh, secondly, I'm a, a hunter and a conservationist. And wow. Trying to find ways to beat uh, Mother Nature. You sound like the perfect guest to have on Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Uh, gosh, now I wish we had a whole hour instead of uh, 12 minutes or so. Or but, your standards uh, might be really low if I'm perfect, <laughs> but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> well, you know, because of that, you know, let's let's kind of start with, you know, your research um, a little bit. And does, does that equate to being able to find and, uh, and uh, um, 
uh, take these these animals or birds? Well, yeah, you know, so much of it comes down to the quality of the habitat, and that's really the backbone of, of any upland game bird. And, you know, a lot of that's uh, native grass uh, for nesting and brood rearing. And when you talk about the biology of a game bird, you know, they're an 80% mortality species, meaning only 20% ever make it to the next year to have a chance to breed and reproduce. Really? So, Why is that? Well, they're, they're number one, they're the bottom of the food chain. Uh, so a lot of it, things eat them. Of course, weather, course, uh, mortality, you know. Yeah, of course. Death success rates are pretty low. Um, you know, our part of the world, rain makes birds. Uh, you know, we're fairly arid climate, average about, you know, 20 inches of rain a year. So wet years tend to be better for reproduction. And a lot of that comes from when you get rain, you get more broadleaf plant growth, which leads to more insects. And about 95% of a, a young chick's diet is uh, made up of insects. So oh. we always we always want rain out here. Now you can get to other parts of the country where wet years can be detrimental. You know, in those areas that already average, you know, forty five inches of rain a year, and a wet year maybe sixty. Um, so yeah. it depends a little bit on where you're at. Well, you're in Kansas, and you know I don't know a lot about Kansas, but I know it's mostly flat, and you grow a lot of grain. And, yeah, uh, it's a. Uh, Depending on what part of the state you are, you know, certainly we're the number one wheat uh, producing state in the world. Um, but we do a lot of grain, and um, you know, that can be corn, soybeans, milo, wheat, some alfalfa, of course, a lot of cattle. Um, and if you get to the right combination of that agriculture area and native grass, that's where you see your up on game birds flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, they want a, a combination of different things close by. Well, now you're talking about upland game. Are you talking about chuckers or what? No, our native uh, our native upland game birds out here are your ringneck pheasant, your bobwhite quail. Oh, there you go. That's my huh. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, we have some prairie chickens in different parts of the state, the lesser and the greater. But uh, mm-hmm. for the most part, when people think of upland game birds in Kansas, they're thinking pheasant and quail. Well, I think hunting pheasant is probably one of the most exciting things because you're walking through this field. Usually, it'll be after it's already been harvested, and you know you can walk uh, and almost step on a pheasant and yeah you, know, you don't know it's there and all of a sudden it takes off and, and your adrenaline pumps up and you go, oh shoot <laughs> i mean oh shoot <laughs> and uh, yeah that's what you got to do but, well uh, the great thing about uh pheasant hunting is it's probably the most social of, of your hunting uh uh-huh. sports because uh you, you can know, walk in a row generally yeah. walking you know about uh, 10 to 15 yards apart making pushes and you get to see when your buddy hits and misses and you get to see what you do and yeah. and you get in arguments over why you miss. You know, it's not like deer camp where it goes their own way well, and comes back you know, and lies around the, the campfire. Is, this is one is in let, plain let, let him take the first shot and if, if need be, you can take yours. Yeah, or try to shoot at the same time so you can claim <laughs> it as well. Uh, do you do a lot of the golly pheasant hunting uh, down where you're at in Kansas? A lot of what type? Golly. You were, would put the dogs in the golly, one guy on one side, the other guy on the other, and let the bird dogs yeah, yeah, run the them out. Part, uh, you know, in Kansas, the wind always blows. It's a function of which way. So generally, we'll start our groups on the downwind side of a field and let our bird dogs out, and we'll push into the wind. And you have so much better success when you do that because your scent is moving oh. toward those dogs. Yeah. And then when we get to the, the far end of the field, we'll uh, water the dogs, have a snack, load up on the trailers, swing back around to the downwind side, move over a different part of the field, Mm -hmm. start all over again. Well, just out of curiosity, these fields uh, are, are all private property. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. Can you, you know, does, is there a problem? And what, what is the protocol for that? 
Well, you know, Kansas has very little uh, public acres. Now, one nice thing that the Kansas Department of Wildlife has done is they've got a program called the, the Walk-In Hunting Access, and they lease over a million acres of, of private land for people to be able to go hunt on. Um, but, you know, it's not just about land. On that land, you've got to have good habitat because if it's just uh, straight corn, you're not going to have any birds. Bird. You need a blend of that native grass, some weedy areas, sometimes some shrubby structure, and, uh, of course, a food source mm-hmm. to have good bird numbers. Well, the other thing about all this game you're talking about, it tastes good. Yeah, it's uh, it's really, um, you know, quail is one of my favorites. Very white meat. Oh, yeah. uh, pheasants can be excellent as well. And, yeah. And uh, we try to, to cook some while they're out here and give them a taste of what it, uh, what, how good it can be. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, you know, you get, uh, you know, quail aren't that big, but man, you breast them and, you know, you get one or two per person and, man, they're good. Yeah, oh, there's a lot of ways it, uh, to make it oh, good. Oh, give us a quick tip on, uh, on what you do with them after, you know, after you bring them down. You know, you throw them in your back sack and take them yeah, back. Yeah, so and, uh, generally most of our bird dogs uh, mm-hmm. will retrieve and bring them back to you. And we always encourage our guests to bring their bird dogs as well. That's one of the biggest joys of hunting is to see your dog do something well. Mm-hmm. And then once you get them back, generally you're, you're wearing a fluorescent orange um, game bag, and it'll have a, a bag in the back of it that you put them in. Um, when we get to the end of that pass, we'll put them in the trailer, and then at the end of the day, we, we clean them for our guests and have them frozen and packaged well, and ready you, to go when, when they leave. When you say clean them, do you, you mean do you, you leave them whole, take the feathers off, or do you just breast them, or it depends on the bird? Yeah, no, you, you've always got to leave some kind of identification on because you can only shoot roosters. So generally, you'll either leave a leg on, and, and their leg will have a spur, and that kind of identifies that it was a, a rooster because mm-hmm. you don't want to, you're not allowed to shoot hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, there's different ways, but you got to leave some kind of plumage or something on there to identify it as a rooster. Rooster. So mm-hmm. generally, you'll get the breast and the leg. So there's quite a bit of meat on a on a pheasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Can you imagine roasting oh, a whole, whole pheasant? I've oh, never that done reminds that. me. Don't forget to send me some pheasant back. Uh, the feathers on the pheasant back. Oh, for for flying tie tying flies. Yeah, yeah. for crowd. Yeah, they make cats. great flies. A lot of that, and then a lot of our hunters like to take some tail feathers back to their wives. It's uh, yeah, it always looks good in Reese, and, and I guess proves they were hunting versus. <laughs> <laughs> My brother-in-law used to go down there where you're at every year for pheasant hunting. Oh, that reminds me of a, a quick joke about the guy that's going on a hunting trip, and uh, he tells his wife, "Oh, yeah, we and the boys we're going to go hunting," and she goes, "Okay, dear, I'll pack you up." And then, uh, um, and, you know, he comes back. She goes, "How was it?" He goes, "Well, the problem is uh, I couldn't find my pajamas," and she says, "They're in your tackle box." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah. But, uh, uh, oh. Go ahead. Do you have a website we could get? Yep. So our website is uplandinn.com, uplandinhunts.com. And that'll lead you through what our uh, habitat looks like, what our lodges look like, uh, kind of explain you through what a typical day would entail, kind of talk about the meals, you know, one of the things that's oh, yeah. with our hunt customers is one of the nights we'll have 25 ounce prime ribeyes mm. in the world's beef that we'll cook on our smoker well, grill. Well, that Kansas and, beef is good. Yeah. And, uh, now, the other real important thing, uh, can you get, like when they're flying from California or Montana or wherever to come Kansas hunting, do you 
have a place that they can get their license, or do they have to do through all them three books? Nope, you uh, you can get them online at the lot. Just about everything is online anymore. Uh, but That's when uh, they can either get them ahead of time and print them out before they come, or when they get to the lot, uh, we okay. get them online and, and print them out. All right, and well, then, uh, J- Jason, if, if somebody wants to go hunting with you, uh, then I, you know, are you, a, are you are you a guide? Are you an organizer, or, or uh, uh, you have different people that that uh, that you put together to take them out? Yep, I'm a little bit of a, everything. Uh, I certainly guide some groups. I always claim I'm the, the A guide. So there you go. if they get lucky, they might get me. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we try. Greensburg is a small town of about 750 people. Um, if you remember about 11 years ago, it was where a two mile wide F5 tornado wiped out 95% of the town. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's coming along. But we try to employ a lot of uh, local people. We've got about okay. six pastors that guide for us. But wow. uh, so some of them may be guiding you, or I might be guiding you. Uh, well, a quick question. How, how do you get there from here? Well, we have people that you know drive from all over. I think we had 45 different states uh, come visit us last year and, and a couple different foreign countries. So uh, if they're driving, obviously, they come to Greensburg if they fly in. Most people fly into the Wichita, Kansas airport. Okay. The, uh, the lodge is located about an hour and a half straight west of, of oh, the okay. airport. Okay. You can also fly into Dodge City. Uh, but there's only, and it's about 45 miles west of us. There's yeah. only a couple of flights a day to go through Denver. But uh, either way, they can they yeah. can get to uh, get to our lodge. Okay. Well, let's go over that website again because it's a little bit confusing. Okay. And, Uplandinhunt.com. Uh, Upland. So, say it yeah, again. Upland like the bird. U P L A N D, and then N I N N like an N you would say, and and then hunts.com. Uplandinhunts.com. Okay. Well, that Correct. sounds pretty simple. Yeah, and, uh, really give a lot of what we do. We have yeah, to have a Facebook and page. Gener- generally, people. So, what do they do? Do they just uh, can you freeze them and take them home, or what is it? Uh, yep. So they'll be frozen uh, before they leave. Um, after the uh, our bird cleaners clean right. them, uh, they'll okay. be frozen and packaged. Perfect. Um, we've got some coolers they can take with them. Sounds good. Occasionally, we'll ship some birds back. Or Frank, I let's go. Let's right back. Let's go. All righty. We okay, great appreciate it. Hey, Jason. Jason. Jason, can you hang around for a couple minutes? Jason, can you hang around for a couple minutes? The soft science footbed absorbs the shock of pounding waves, engine vibration, and even rocky terrain. Soft science shoes are roomy and relaxed, and they drain and dry quickly. Check out the Soft Science Fin Fishing Shoes and Boots and the Fin H2O for kayaking and canoeing. They're lightweight, slip-resistant, and won't mark your deck. See the new styles for men and women and get your pair on at softscience.com. Used by fishermen who know where to get the best fishing gear around, AFTCO makes the highest quality fishing rod components worldwide. If it says AFTCO, you know you have a quality rod. Guy Harvey Clothing, the best outdoor clothing line anywhere, is also available through AFTCO. Longest lasting, functional, and best looking clothing you'll be proud to wear. Only the very best materials and workmanship. As soon as you put it on, you'll know the difference. Look for AFTCO at quality retailers or go to AFTCO.com. Great news. You can now watch Grizz's shows wherever you are, whenever you want, on all your mobile devices. Download the Grizz Channel app today. 
enjoy an adventure during that boring wait at the doctor's office. Or while you're sitting at the airport waiting for your next flight. Just go to your phone, tablet, or even Kindle app store or iTunes and download it today. And when you get home, you can watch The Grizz on your big screen on Roku. Catch The Grizz next adventure today. That's what I'm doing. Think about nothing, not even you. Catch me a big one, the fine speck of trout. Slapping in the water, I put it right out. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we still have with us for a very short time, we have um, uh, Jason Johnson, and his website is Upland, which is easy, in, like that's where you stay, hunts, uplandinhunts.com. And we're just asking... Uh, uh, Jason, if somebody wants to go back there and visit and, you know, you're not within, you know, a few hundred or a few thousand miles, uh, how do you get there from here? If you want to drive, it's a great drive, but uh, if you want to get a little bit closer, where do you fly into? You fly into the Wichita, Kansas Airport, at least that's where most of our hunters fly into. The lodge is located about an hour and a half straight west of the Wichita Airport. Mm-hmm. All the major airlines fly into there multiple times a day. And this, <clears throat> is, a, this is a full-service hunting lodge with meals and tables and beds? And, Correct. Yeah. So when, when people arrive, really, we provide the uh, hunts, guides, dogs, meals, lodging, bird cleaning, basically everything except uh, their license and shells. Mm-hmm. They, get, they can get their license when they get here, and we also have shells available for sale. Okay. And, now, uh, the other thing is, is uh, you know, I'm sure that everybody you know has at least one or two bird dogs, but, you know, if you're coming from California or New York or Florida, you may not have a bird dog, um, and they're, you know, you can go without it, hunt without one, but it's uh, it's not easy. So you'd like to have a dog. Can you provide those? Yeah, I and mean, we would never hunt without bird dogs. That just adds so much to the hunt, and you have so much greater yeah. success. You mm-hmm. know, these birds are live on the ground, and you're prone to walk right past them. Yeah. The dogs out there sending them. Yeah, you uh, so we've got a blend of uh, we've got eleven English pointers. We've got about six German short hairs. We've got a Brittany and a Setter and eight laps. So mm-hmm. each dog has their own. Uh, unique skills and all of them are awesome to watch and that's right. one of the funnest things well one of the things one of, one of the things you mentioned earlier is it is more of a social thing you know because when you're out elk hunting you know you you know you might go with some guys but everybody picks their own hill in their own spot but when you're pheasant hunting normally you walk um, in a line 
and you walk through a field and you're what 10 20 yards apart and you know and it's just it's it's a, just a, a little more of a bonding sub an experience and it's it's fun it's a m- much more fun to be on a field walking with a bunch of people because everybody can tease you when you make yeah. your oh, mistake. Yeah. The, the crash talking <laughs> is the funnest part. Oh, yeah. Part of it, you got it. Uh, I've, yeah. heard, I've, I've started making a book of the 200 reasons why they missed a pheasant and you have to go from this young well, that's, that's, that that's, that's, that's where you get That's where you got some of it on your left and right in case you miss them the first time. But uh, When I had a bird shot at 36 times last year, I <laughs> I left the end of the line and was flying about 50 yards really fast across the whole line. And it sounded like World War II. Well, 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 well the, qu- the, the question did, 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 did anybody ever get it? Well, I don't know if he died of fear or if the last guy eventually got him, he did go down. I immediately got on the phone and bought some stock and ammunition after that because I figured that a lot of people are needing shells. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's, that, it's, it's a great experience, and it's it's fun, and it's, it's great. And, uh, you know, what you get to take home, well, I'll tell you what, you come back uh, on a trip like that, you're going to find out how many friends you got. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, you know it's great. You become friends with so many people that come here. About ninety-two percent of our groups come back every year, and you know the hunting certainly a big part of it. But the social part and the camaraderie is uh, is just as important as the the hunt. Yes, and you, you know, so get, get four a, uh, a day or is yeah. It one nice thing two? about Kansas is we have the highest uh, wild bird limit in the nation of four roosters a day. A lot of states are two yeah. or three, so mm-hmm. uh, that's one nice bonus that you get in Kansas. And you can get multiple species, but anyway, get a group of four or six people together and go down there and have a great time and uh, enjoy the food at the lodge. And it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, um, pheasant. You might find some some ribeyes or. Tea bones in there with it but uh, we appreciate that very much uh, Jason thank you for coming on that was very interesting very exciting now everybody's got one more place to put on their list right yeah you, well, you, we'd love to have okay. anybody out alright this is John Hennigan this is Fish Hunt Talk Radio go to fishhunttalkradio.com and listen to Jason Jason